Welcome to the 9 to 5 Killers podcast, an explorative and insightful journey inside the minds of some of the most successful entrepreneurs who have killed their day jobs to pursue their passions. Welcome to season four, episode three of the Nine Five Killers podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Graham. Today's guest is an incredible businessman and entrepreneur who came to the United States from the Dominican Republic with his mother and siblings when he was 19. After working in a corporate environment as a sales manager with a large beer distributor and later as a national account manager at another business, he realized he was making other people rich and wanted to do more, not just for his family, but for his community. So he sat down with his wife and they both decided to invest their life savings into a business and never looked back. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce the owner of the Harlem Cigar Room, Mr. Felix Paredes to the Nine Five Killers podcast. Welcome to the show, Felix. Glad to have you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you making time to, to talk with me today. That I can do. I'm a talker. No, I love it. I love it. Where are you from? Where's your family from? I'm from the Dominican Republic. My family is from the Dominican Republic. So I'm 100% Dominican. What part of the Dominican Republic are you from? So I was born in a small town called San Jose de las Matas, but because, uh, because I was born without my father and my mother being together, I lived everywhere in the Dominican Republic, all over the place, Santiago, the capital, Nagua, all over the place. How old were you when you came to the United States? I was 19. That was 1996, so it was about 26 years ago. And uh, do you have a big family? How many brothers and sisters? Huge family, so totals, 11 siblings, uh, six on my mother's side, five on my father's side. Do you know why your, your mother decided to, you said your mother decided to come here, right? Yeah, yeah, so my mother came here and she put a petition for her kids to come to the United States. Uh, eventually, she was granted that and uh, we all came. You know, it's just, this. Uh, there's a saying in the Dominican Republic, if you die without going to New York, you die blind. And oh, by the way, you could be living in Boston, you could be living in Arkansas, you could be living anywhere in the United States, but if you're Dominican and Dominican Republic, you live in New York. It doesn't matter where you live, you live in New York. <laughs> I love that. It's funny, when I heard you speak, the first time I spoke to you, I assumed that you were born here. How did you learn English? So I came here in January 26, 1996. By the month of May of that year, I was already able to have a conversation with anybody. I learned English by watching Family Matters. Then I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, is that the only thing you watched or, or do you watch other stuff? Mainly, uh, that was my, the show that I liked the most. Uh, I watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air from time to time, but Family Matter was my favorite show. What about Steve Urkel did you like? It's interesting. <laughs> That's just, just a funny character, you know? And he, uh, uh, he loved, uh, what, what's her name? Uh, I forgot her name. Uh, yeah. uh, he, he was in love with that girl for, you know, that she would snap her finger, he'll be right there. Yeah, Laura, Laura. Laura. <laughs> yeah, Laura. <laughs> awesome, awesome. You said you have a big family. Are you the one person in your family that's an entrepreneur or are there other ones? No, I have uh, two of my uh, brothers and my mother's side have their own little business. Uh, one is a flower, uh, flower uh, shop and the other one it's a uh, uh, laundromat and uh, I have the cigars yeah what 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 did your mother do um, when 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 you so my up? mother was a well I grew up with my stepmother and my father not not with my uh, natural mother but my stepmother she was a housewife and she also did uh, some tailoring I believe that's how you say fixing clothes for the neighbors and stuff and making our own clothing and stuff. When you first came here, right? What kind of jobs did you have? Somebody make me an offer and they put $40,000 in my hands and say, hey, here's 20,000, I'm gonna give you 20,000 now. Here's the key of that car. I need you to drive that car to X stay. I don't wanna name everything because anything because you, know, you never know, but I just need you to drive that car. These two other people are gonna follow you in these cars and uh, once you get there, make that uh, drop that car, put it in a parking lot. And we're gonna give you another twenty thousand dollars. I had to tell the guy, "That's all for a lot of money." And can I think about it? Can I get back to you tomorrow? Guy was like, "What's what's to think about? It's forty grand. When when have you seen so much money together?" 
And I said, well, I've never have. I mean, that's literally a lot of money. I can do a lot with $40,000. You know, when you first come from the Dominican Republic, you get off the plane and you're already thinking when you're going back. So I could have just very well, especially since I had a girl over there, man. Oh, man, that she was, she owned my <laughs> life at the moment. And so I could have very well take that money and go back home. But my principles didn't allow me to. And I, I told the guy, can I get back to you tomorrow? And the following day, I went back and I said, hey, listen, I can't do that. It's not my thing. I can't. I don't, it's not in me to do that. I don't, it's not in me to do anything illegal. What makes you not take him up on the offer? My principles, uh, my father is a very, very strict man. And, and, and while in the mind of many, he abused me, which he probably did, you know, but he was very strict with me and he would whip my butt every day pretty much i would say 98 percent of the times i didn't deserve it but i would i also recognize that i was growing up in a very tough environment and if he wasn't as tough as he was with me i would probably be a delinquent and one day i was uh it was about eight years old i was walking around i found 50 cents and i put it in my pocket a guy approached me and say i dropped those 50 cents 50 cents back then was money still Long story short, the guy went to my house and complained to my father. My father just took me and beat the crap out of me without even asking questions. And then after he, uh, after he finished with me, then I told him what happened. Well, it's too late. I, you know, I already got my beating up. But he told me, if you ever go to jail because you're defending your sister, you're defending your family, and you're fighting with somebody, I will do anything in my power to get you out of jail. If you go to jail because you sold drugs, or stole anything that doesn't belong to you, then you can forget you have a father. And my father is the main, is, is the man that I love the most. Uh, you know, and even though I was born without him, he actually left the country when I was 10 years old. But that phrase that he used when I was eight years old, he told me that he would, he would forget about me if I ever go to jail from doing something wrong, stuck with me forever, and that allowed me to make the right decision at that moment and not take that. You know, it, it was a big challenge because $40,000 for a 19 year old kid in, the 19, in 1996, it's a lot of money. What you said about, about the principle, what do you, is your stepmother, is she, what kind of uh, values does she instill upon you? My stepmother, man, I love my stepmother more than I love my natural mother. And, and it's, it's hard to say that because mom is mom. But my stepmother, the first thing that she did is, is that she always told me, I'm not your mother, but I love you like my son. And you're my only boy. And she does have three girls. I'm the only boy. I'm the oldest one out of all my siblings, too. So she always introduced me as her son to everybody. But she always told me, your mother name, your mom's name is Isabel. I'm not your mother, but you're my son. And I used to cry and tell her, no, you're my mother. And that was an argument, if you want to call it <laughs> an argument, that we had that all the time, because she is my mother. And she always going to be my mother. You know, she, she always made sure I did the right thing and she raised me as her own son. She never, I've never felt any difference from my sister. Like I'm, I'm her son. There's a lot of people who have, who have step parents and I hear them say, oh, that's my stepmom." What about you was able to, at that young age, say, this is my mother. You realize that this is my mother, not my stepmom. Well, you know, she took me when I was nine months old, 10 months old. So she did took me as an infant. I literally met my natural mother for the first time when I was five years old, meaning that was the first time I can recall that I recognized I saw her. So for the first five years of my life that I could recall, all I knew was this mother as my, this person was my mother, right? So even though she always said, and she always told me my mother's name and that she was, you know, who was my real mother, in my mind, this person was my mother because she's the one that was, she will fight with my dad for me. She would, like I said, she, she was my mother. She did everything that a mother would do for her kids. She will protect me. She will, you know, she'll bathe me, she, everything. She was, she is my mother. 
That's beautiful, man. You hear you hear so many uh, people these days, and they don't respect that. So it's good to hear that you oh, have that that understanding. You said you you had a few jobs when you came here. What what made you decide that you wanted to work for yourself? Was there any particular story you can remember that you like? I I need to work for myself. You know, I've always worked making somebody else money, right? And um, I always wanted to have my own business and. You know, this happened just by being in the right place at the right time, I guess. But um, yeah, I always wanted to have my own business. Did, were, there, were there things happening? Like you said, you made people money. Were there things that happened that you saw the the benefit to having your own business? Like what are some of the things that you would, now that you have a business that you would say that you didn't have when you were well, someone else? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna break that in two parts. Having, you, having your own business is not as simple as most people think. People think you have your own business, you're rich. Immediately, you have your own business, you're rich. You're just, you made it. Uh, especially in small business, it's not quite that simple. And a lot of times, you owe more than what you can, what you really uh, get out of it. But when you work for yourself, it's literally up to you of how much you're going to make because uh, you're going to get out of it whatever you put into it, all right? So if you the time you put into it, the energy you put into it, the effort you put into it, that's what you're gonna get out of it. Uh, but you're doing it for your own good. You're doing it for your own benefit. You know, it, it's not gonna be a percentage of what somebody else is gonna give you after they take their cut and pay the other's employee. This is gonna be you. What did you learn from working for other people that has helped you uh, in your current business? That's a tricky question. Um, I guess some of the things that I've learned uh, from you know working from all the companies is that if you do the right thing and you treat people right, they'll be loyal to you. Let me give you an example. Right now, this is a cigar lounge, so there's not really that many cigar lounge. But let's talk about the restaurant business. There's a restaurant pretty much in every corner, right? At the end of the day, everybody's serving the same thing. It's food. But where do you go? You go where you feel more comfortable. So customer service, making people feel home, making people feel welcome, it's a big part of how you make it on any business. And so to me, what I learned from all the businesses that I work is the difference. The ones that did things right and treat their employee with respect, pay them well, make them feel part of the family, and make the customer, put the customer first, those businesses strive. The businesses that they too important, that they too big, that they, uh, you know, our money and our company is more important than anything else, you know, I see them fail, you know? So at the end of the day, treating your people well and your customers uh, with respect is what's gonna allow you to stay in business. No, I love that answer. And it's funny, cause I looked you up on online and I saw a review, I saw a few of your reviews. And this one woman, she said, she left a review. Uh, she, she called you by name. She said, Felix made me feel at home. And she said, it's like you read her mind feet were hurting and you, <laughs> and you hope this doesn't get you in any trouble but you offered a footstool yeah uh, so we have an we have an ottoman in fact all these shares they came with an ottoman and because of the space i kind of gave him away but i i left one in here one or two and so sometime when i see people coming in and i see frust i can read the frustration on their face i try to put a smile on their face and and and, you know, these chairs are comfortable, they look nice, and you're sitting in these chairs, and somebody put an ottoman on you, and it's, you know, they're they pampering you, they're making you feel good, and making someone feel special will make their day, you know? Sometimes you could be having the worst day of your life, and, and, and a little tiny thing, as simple as that, can change your overall energy. Yeah, no, I love that, and, and what, you, what you mentioned about putting the, you know, treating your, your employees with respect and, and putting a customer first. Uh, I saw that the, I came the other day, your 
I think it was your nephew or it was your, uh, mm-hmm. your nephew. My nephew, huh? Your nephew, you were teaching him the business. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was beautiful because a lot of times when someone has a business, they they, they hold all the information. But you had him doing stuff. Like, wh- where did you get this? You know, it's funny. I, I, I'm not afraid to share my my experience and my success. I, I, I like to share them. Uh, if that's going to help you in any way, uh, I'll, I'll do that. I'm actually one that think that family are tough to work with. Family, in fact, I try not to hire family members because family members and your best friends, they usually use that as, oh, I can come to work late. I cannot show up to work at all. I can do everything that's against the business policy because I'm a member of the owner or I'm a friend of the owner. And that's reality. It's just what happens, right? So, but this kid just came from the Dominican Republic, fresh off the boat, like they say. Uh, he just came from the Dominican Republic and very smart kid. And uh, he has aspiration and he reminds me of when I first came to this country and uh, he wants to stay away from doing anything illegal. And uh, if I can help him in any way, you know, not only he's a family member, but he's a human being, he's a person. And if I can help him, I'm going to help him. Yeah, I noticed that when we spoke, you, you talked about even the cigars that you carry. You don't just carry any person's cigar. You carry specific cigars from, yep. from people. And one of the criteria is you want them to be associated with, with giving and a charity. Where, where did you get that mentality to, to hold them to that type of standard in a cigar lounge? Well, the thing is that, first of all, every cigar that gets here, I have to smoke it first. Like, I have to make sure that I like it because if I like it, I can sell it. If I can tell you, yeah, that cigar has this profile, that profile, then you can understand. I mean, one of the things that I ask a person is, what do you feel like smoking? What, what do you usually smoke, right? So that I can understand what cigar I'm going to recommend to you. So I know everything that goes here. But to come in here and have your cigar here, uh, especially I, we focus a lot on small brand cigar, giving a chance, giving an opportunity to those who's try, who, 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 who are starting up and trying to make it, right? And so I try to talk to them into, hey, if I have an event and I need you to sponsor it, I don't need anything for me. How can I give to my customers? How can, you know, if we have a, a, a golfing event and for any charity that, that, that we sponsor, I would like for you to help and donate. You know, I donate all the time. And so uh, to me, giving is the number one gift of life. You have to give, 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 give. Uh, I mentioned to you before how there's a book called The Go-Giver who will teach you or talks about these things and giving is just a way to life. You know, we give uh, carbon monoxide to the plants, plants give us oxygens, right? And it's a give and take. You give, you receive, you give, you receive. So. That's where that comes from. How do you, or do you feel that you ever need to put a boundary? Because you're accessible, you're the owner, you you are on the premise, you are hands-on. Um, is there any, do you feel that sometimes people try to overstep that? And if so, how do you keep it at bay if that happens? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You're gonna find this funny. Sometimes I have to have meetings here with the members where I literally tell, tell some of them, I feel like you're a kid. And I'm reprimanding you. Like, how did I, a grown man, have to be pulled aside or have to be talked to into don't do this, don't do that? Because that, it, it just, I don't get it. But I'm accessible to everybody. And when people try to cross the boundary of taking advantage of my way to being, I have no problem of putting a stop on it and say, hey, that's, that's not gonna fly. I love it that you have the meetings. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, have you ever? Um, so I know that you you talked about having a cigar lounge, and when it when it first opened, first of all, how did you acquire this lounge? I used to be a regular here. I used to be a member. I used, uh, I used to live in one thirty eight between Amsterdam and Broadway. My wife was born and raised there, and so we lived here for for a little bit. She's lived there. She lived there all her life, obviously, and so I was a regular here and. Uh, the previous owner, they opened up another place in the Bronx and they were obviously, they opened up the place. This place was already established. So as they opened up the new business, they were 
putting more more the efforts and attention on the other business. And so I visualize uh, the opportunity here that were not being captured. And I asked him one day, I said, hey, do you want to sell me the business? And I got to give you a secret. I had $300 in my pocket when I asked him to sell the, sell the business <laughs> to me. Wait, so you had $300 to your name? I had $300 to my name. <laughs> you and your wife. <laughs> me and my wife, our household bank account had $300. Okay. So and my personal, <laughs> so, and I believe everybody should do this. I believe in every marriage should be four bank accounts, but we were still dating, but we had a bank account that was mutual for our expenses. And she had her savings, I had my savings, right? My savings, I think I had $10. <laughs> our household account had $300. Okay, so how did you, what's the story of how did you, um, go from three hundred dollars to owning this. Cause I'm sure it's a little bit more than three hundred dollars to, to, to buy this lounge. Uh, it was a few dollars more. Well, I have a belief that when you, when you're forced to provide, when you see yourself in a situation that you have to provide, you will provide if you are a provider, right? And so I'll give you an example. And God forbid your mother or your father has a terminal illness. Uh, they have no insurance, or they die and you need to come up, come out of pocket to solve everything, you will come out of pocket. There is no choice. You have to find money. And you have to borrow, you start borrowing money, you start selling things, you, start, you find the money that you need to find because you need to go across that situation you have in front of you, right? So I, I think the same thing in life, you know, we don't need to wait until somebody die to grind and make the effort to have something. Once the opportunity, once he came back and told me, okay, Felix, I'm gonna sell the store, this is the number. I was like, shoot. What, what was the number, what did he, what did he tell you? Uh, <laughs> it's almost $200,000 at the time, right? So. You was a little short, you were a little I mean, short. I was, I, was, I was just a little short with $300. But again, you know, uh, you know having a good reputation, uh, respecting people, you know, credit is not only good when a bank can give you credit or credit card, uh, it's good with everybody. You know, if, if you borrow $5 from somebody, pay it. You know, if you tell somebody, I'm gonna be there at 10, be there at 9.45. You know, that it's, it's all credit. It's, you know, it, people learn to respect you and people learn to believe in you when you do that. And so when you are responsible, um, all the other stuff comes easy because now they know they can trust you. And so there's obviously gonna be always someone who might, has more than you do. And if they're in a position to lend you, give you, whatever it is, they will be open to because they know they're dealing with a honest person. Right, and what, what did the conversation look like with your wife? So I told my wife, I said, well, got two news, baby. We have uh, good news and bad news. Good news is we're gonna have the store, right? The bad news is you're gonna lose me for two years. I need to have two years in the store in order to grow the business and make it to where it's successful within year one. We, you know, we we needed the money, so I, didn't, I couldn't just sit around and wait three years to turn it over. So I dedicated myself uh, the first two years to the business to make sure it grow. But we only had three hundred dollars in our name, so we needed to find money and we started going to 401k and doing different things and asking different people to lend us money and but we came up with everything so you put your life savings into this business everything we everything. literally threw everything that we had in here and more were you ever nervous i was never nervous i believed in me the first thing i think in everything in life you have to believe in anything that you're doing you first you got to put it in god's hands but you have to trust you have to believe it's one of those things that is a cliche that I believe, I believe, but if you don't feel it, if you don't, if you don't trust yourself that you're gonna be able to do something, you're gonna have a tough time. If you trust yourself, any obstacle seems small. And one thing that I always use is that I think, I always think of what's the worst scenario? What's the worst thing that could happen on anything that I do so that I can prepare for that because everything else will be easy to deal with. Right, if I prepare for the worst scenario, everything else is manageable. And how did you get your wife to go along with this? My wife believed in me. She believed in me, she believed in my passion, she believed in my experience. Uh, 
you know, she know my resume and she know how hard I work for all the companies that I work for. And so she knew that I had the capability to move the business forward. And uh, she, she invested in me, basically. Oh, that's a beautiful story. And you mentioned when we were talking a while ago, you said when you first opened this place, it wasn't the Harlem Cigar Room. It was something else. Why did you change the name? Yeah, it was Papa Juan Cigar Room. and Papa uh, Juan Cigar Room? Yeah. Okay. And I changed the name because I found it a little bit hard to believe there was no business in Harlem with the name Harlem Cigar Room. Oh, I remember reading a story about uh, Martin Luther King where he dreams that we all get along, the blacks and white get along together. And this type of business is the only place where you can get everybody, regardless of their ethnicity, of their political belief or religions, you can get them in the same place, right? All that stuff gets stays out of the door. And so believing in that, and being in Harlem, I just found it to be, well, Harlem is a very remarkable name, but being in Harlem, we don't have a Harlem Cigar Room? That's mind-boggling to me. That the name has to be Harlem Cigar Room, and that's how the name came about. And you mentioned that when you when you was a, a customer here, that there was a lot of things going on, and you felt that it, it kept the uh, the people separated. You mentioned. Absolutely, yeah, there was, there was, uh, there was segregation. Um, there used to be, Literally, that section in the front where the humidor is it was a section with these chairs, and that's where the black community sat. Back here, the humidor used to be back here in this back room, and in this section was the Latino section. And it used to bother me that we had uh, Latinos and black segregated. We got together, we talked, and may have fun a little bit, but for the most part, we sat separated. And that bothers me all the time. And a lot of times the Latino will be like, oh, you're a traitor. Well, you're black now, blah, blah, blah. So I always, that word, it always bothered me because what is black? What is black? If I, if I cut myself right now, I'm going to bleed the same blood that you're going to bleed, right? So we're, we're both the same. We're all the same. And so I don't really, I don't really like that, right? And so I took over the business and I, say, guys, we got to become one. That segregation got to stop. And I made it a point to change that and I succeeded. You said that when you did that, you suffered, a, there was an issue when you did yeah, that. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was an issue because <laughs> literally every single Latino left. Every single Latino that was coming in here out of that group left. They never came back. They didn't, because the problem is the music was out of control. They'll play music very loud. This is not a place for that. The cigar lounge is a place to relax. It's a place to have a conversation, to network. The music will be so loud that I could not hear you a conversation when you're sitting right next to me. And so that always bothered me. And sometimes it'll be a Latino music, sometimes it'll be a hip hop, right? And all that happened because the owner was not here. You know, when the owner was here, things were a little different, but when they were not here, you know, the, 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 the hosts were Latino and the Latino group would do just whatever they want, right? And so I didn't like, I just didn't like that. To me, a business has to be open to everybody, or this type of business, and everybody has to have the same equal opportunity and treated the same way. What also happened, you said you lost 50% um, of your business when yeah, this happened. Yeah, because, so I'll give you, to give you an exact number, there was about 14, 15 of us, you know, seven blacks, seven Latino, eight and seven, something like that. Um, and they were members. Those were the life of this business. They were here every day. Those were the guys that kept the door open, you know, and I come in and I buy the business and 50% of my secure clientele walks out of the door and never come back. That's 50% of the sales that were lost. And so... But I, I believe in what I want to do. I believe in what my vision was, and I stuck with it. And uh, here we are. Wow, that's that's beautiful. And did any of them come back? They came back later on. And, you <laughs> All know, of them or some of them? Uh, most of them. You know what? 
Uh, if I recall correctly, every single one of them at one point or another uh, apologized to me and they told me, hey, Felix, we, we I kind of got upset at you and I walk away and I apologize because I, I didn't see your vision. Now I do. And uh, I, I get it. And so they've been back. You know, they they found other place to be, but they still come from time to time and show love. And uh, but their door is always open. No, that's beautiful. And I believe in 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 and you having that standard because I saw a photo online and it, and it was like uh, maybe like I don't know it looked like about 20 people and it was mixed it was white black it was everybody yeah, here. Yeah, women yeah. in the photo I believe yeah yeah and was that the vision that you had that was the vision that I have that that we can all have this place and share it together you know regardless of what your color is or where you come from it just it really doesn't matter if you enjoy a cigar you belong here before we had this interview, I didn't really see the difference between cigar and cigarette. And yeah. you broke it down. Would you mind breaking it down again? Like, Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, two different things. First of all, cigarette, the tobacco that is used to make cigarette, it's, 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 it's tobacco called Rubio. It's a small plant. gets a lot of bugs and stuff, so they use a lot of chemical to, to, for that plant. But that's not even it. The process to make the cigarette, they throw a lot of chemical. But the main problem with cigarette is it's wrapping paper. What is that? Chemical. The filter, it's made out of fiberglass. So you're literally sipping in or smoking fiberglass, right? So eventually, that, that's just a combination for disaster, right? And so there is zero data on what happens to you smoking cigars. There's a lot of data on what happens to you smoke cigarette. Well, a cigar is completely natural. A cigar gets touched about 200 times before it gets in, into your mouth. From the seed to the plant to harvest, the entire process, it gets touched a lot, but it's a manual thing. It's done one at a time. Cigarettes made by machine throwing thousands, millions at a time, right? So it's a big difference. Another thing that you mentioned is that I didn't know. I did, I thought I was like, well, isn't a, a you educated me. I, I said, isn't a cigar wrapped in paper? And you said, no. it's wrapped in a tobacco leaf. Tobacco leaf. Yeah, yeah. I, so the, the plant has different leaves, right? From the bottom, middle, and the top. And so each leaf has its function. Some gets flavor, some gets strength. But everything that it's inside a, tobacco, a cigar, it's tobacco. Wow. It's a mix of different tobacco. And you know, and there's no filter on it. You don't need it. There's no filter. It's, oh. it's all tobacco. It's all tobacco. And, and why don't you need a filter on a cigar? Well, again, if you want to keep it natural, uh, it has to be natural and this is a natural product the moment you put a filter then well then now you're going to find yourself in the same situation cigars are right because they try to make some filters made out of corn or made out but to make everything they got to get into something that is artificial or chemical and so a cigar for it to be natural it has to be smoked naturally and with cigars I think you mentioned there's a different type of clientele that you meet with cigars as opposed to anywhere else, like a hookah lounge or Absolutely. a cigarette. And would you mind telling us what, what's the difference between the clientele that goes that frequents cigar lounge and, and say a hookah spot? Well, you don't answer that question with another question, but I'm going to ask you this. Growing up, who do you see smoking cigars? Celebrities, actors, sports figures. Exactly, right? So if we think about it just from that point of view, they made it for a reason. They're a little smarter than the regular do, right? So if they smoke cigar and that way is their way to relax, then it has to be something positive to that, right? You see doctors, you see everybody smoking cigar. Because that's the other thing with cigarette. Cigarette is terrible for you, but I think one of the main clientele of the cigarette world are doctors and nurses. They're always smoking, right? Mm -hmm. If you see that athletes the president of the country, uh, big, iconic people smoke cigars, then there gotta be something to it. A cigar, first of all, a cigar is something that takes you an hour to an hour and a half to smoke. So it's a, something to relax, something to let the, the stress go. A cigarette is something that you smoke quick, few puffs and you're done. So a cigar is something for you to enjoy, relax, let the stress go, it's used to uh, make a lot of business. There a lot of a lot of big contract and big business is being done in a golf course smoking a cigar 
on a cigar, on a cigar lounge smoking a cigar. What are some of the, the people that you've met um, owning this bar? So again, because celebrities usually smoke cigars, got a lot of celebrities that come by. They've been here. Many baseball players, actors, others that they come by. And those pictures that you see around, those are credit to the previous owner. Uh, Francis, he does that. He um, he gets uh, uh, memorabilia signed, you know, by the, by the people and then he resell them. So those were already here when I purchased the business. But yeah, we get we get many people that come by, baseball players, basketball players, you name it, yeah. When these celebrities or these uh, sports figures or politicians come in, how you treat them? And could you tell us? I treat them the same way I treat you. Because again, this is a place with an equal opportunity. Just because you are somebody who is more popular than I am or more popular than this guy is, it doesn't mean that I'm going to treat you any different inside here. Inside here, you're both spending money. You're both spending time, right? So your money or his money is not better than your money. At the end of the day, last I checked, it's the same dollars, the same Benjamin Franklin, right? <laughs> it's the same Lincoln. So it's all the same. What I try to do is when anybody like that come here is I we try to offer them protection in the sense of People are not going to be jumping, asking for autograph and pictures unless that person decides to want to do it. I'll give you a perfect example. R. Kelly used to be a regular here. R. Kelly used to be here many times. He was here all the time. And R. Kelly would come in. He'd sit in a corner. He did his thing. He smoked his cigar. And if he got up to go to the bathroom, he got up and nobody would bother him. And sometimes he'll say, uh, if anybody wants to take a picture, you know, now's the time. Or he will sign an autograph for you. But we make people feel comfortable like that because you just another person. Yes, I get it. You are very popular. But because of that, people that are popular like that, iconic people, they can go anywhere without being bothered. And when I say bother, it sounds wrong, but there's some people, they can even go to a supermarket. You know, people want to take pictures, sign me an autograph, you know. They can't have a normal life. I want them to have a normal life here. And for that reason, we treat them just like anybody else. And in turn, it makes, how does it make your, your clientele feel? Equally as good, because they, they, I'm giving them the same respect I'm giving this person who's an, an iconic figure. That's beautiful. Yeah. Have... You mentioned that in order to be in this business, you had to have a certain type of, of love for it. Do you feel that just um, for cigar bars or for business in, in general? You gotta love what you do. Any business, you have to love what you do. And, and, and this business per instance, this is not work. Because when I'm here, I'm smoking, I'm talking to people, I'm networking, I'm, you know, I'm relaxing. But yeah, I'm getting paid. But it goes for any business. If you don't love what you're doing, then you're doing the wrong thing. When you have passion for what you're doing, you love what you're doing, it comes naturally and people read that in you. As human beings, we're very smart. We can, we can detect the other person's vibe. We can detect the other person's energy, whether it's positive or negative. And when you love what you do and you pass, you, you, you're reflecting that energy and, and people pick up on that. No, I, I agree. I pick up on it with you. One, I pick up on just looking at the chairs in here. I, I noticed when I came in, the first thing, I, one of the things that I noticed is when I go in some places, the furniture looks beaten down. And I said, how are your, you have these, all these leather chairs in here. Uh, how do they stay so beautiful? It's not easy because believe me, there was one, one point this year that within a week, people broke five different chairs. Some big guys, sometimes they just very tired. They come in and they just throw themselves. They sit down so hard, see a break, right? Because I'm talking about 300 pound men or over 300 pound or, yeah. listen, anyone who's over 250 pound is a big person, right? And so at the end of the day, these chairs, you know, any chair will break. And they break, we just replace them. I mean, what am I gonna do? It's, it's either I can either, you know, start crying and complaining or just replace them. <laughs> but these are nice, these are nice chairs. Like what, what are these chairs run about? About $800 a piece. $800 a piece, so you, yeah. you replace how many? Oh, five in a week. Five in a week. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny, when you told me that, you also, you don't, you don't have insurance on these chairs. 
I don't. I don't even know. I think you can get insurance on these chairs. I, I, I gotta find out about that. But I'm assuming if they know how <laughs> uh, how, much, how many they break, they're probably gonna charge me five hundred dollars a month in insurance just to make sure they can cover. <laughs> yes, yes. If you could speak to when, when your younger self, what advice would you take from your younger self that that uh, you lost or you forgotten? Wow, I'm gonna say save. If I would have saved at least twenty to thirty percent of the money that I made. When I started working, I would have a lot of money. I mean, I could have been in a golf course right now playing golf, which that's what I'm doing later anyway. But I could have a lot of money if I did that. I think we we don't have the uh, education. It, it doesn't get installed in us to learn how to save. And it's mainly because of our background, right? We come from a private family. Uh, a lot of time it's just ignorance. Our parents didn't know, didn't have either. And we never were teach how to do that, right? But if I could, if I could be 18 again, I would save minimum 20% of what I make. Save and give. I think that's what I will, you know, now I'm more of a giving person. I wasn't that way uh, before, but I read a book that if I can give anybody a gift, the most important gift, gift that I can give anybody is that book. It's called The Go-Giver. The Go-Giver will teach you five lessons in life that don't only apply to business, but they, they apply to marriages. They apply to just life in general. You know, it teaches you how giving is the most important thing that you can do. And it's literally the best thing you can do in life is give. And give is not money. Give is money is part of it. But giving it's giving time, giving somebody an advice, giving somebody help, it's giving. I think it's great. I'm, I'm gonna pick up that book today. I'm you gonna should. pick up the book. I usually do ebooks. Did you read it I, or you did no, ebook? No, I so I read it, but I'm terrible at reading. I don't like reading. I really hate reading. I do audiobooks. And okay. so I've listened to this book now about six, seven times. I do a lot of long trips. I just get that book going and uh, or any book, but that book I just love because every time I read it or every time I listen to it, I pick something else. And, and it's just, it's a great book. It's a small book. It's an audio. It's about, I think it's about four hours on an audio, but um, it's a really an amazing book. It'll change your life. I can guarantee you that. Oh, that's beautiful. Is there anything that you've learned from, from working a, a job that you, that has made you a better businessman for your own business? Yes, I, for everything in life you pick, at least I do, I try to pick up bits and pieces of the best thing. And what I've noticed is jobs where they treat the employee with respect, not only compensate them well, but treat them with respect and treat their customers with respect, those businesses thrive. Business that don't care about the employee, treat them like they know they don't matter. And also treat the customers like we're doing you a favor. The user is not around for too long. So the secret to this is treat others as you would like to be treated, but especially your employee. I mean, one of the things that makes me more proud is that I work for Manhattan Beer Distributor, which is one of the largest distributors in, in, in the nation. And I put a team together of 20 plus people. And it took me a while to put my team together. But when I put that team together, they were getting paid for five days, but they worked seven days. The other two days they worked, they did it for me. But it's because what I did for them. And kind and respect goes a long way. You know, it's very easy to take your frustration on an employee one day when you don't have enough money to pay the rent, you don't have enough money to pay taxes or whatever you whatever it is, it's very easy to take your frustration on an employee that is disgruntled or they came in late or did something wrong. But it, if you take a moment and think about it, that person, it's not his fault. And if he came in late, there must be a reason. You know, now if it's a person that it's used to do that, then it's a different story, but you gotta give people a chance. You gotta pe treat people with respect. And again, treat people like you like to be treated. Did you have this mentality for a very long time or is that something that you've come to adapt slowly? My grandmother 
used to say to me, thank God for everything. If you're walking and you're tripping fail, thank God for it. If you are walking and you find a mango tree and you took a mango, thank God for it. Anything that happens to you, thank God for it. Whether you think, think it's negative or positive, thank God for it. And it's true. We don't do that enough. And I was raised like that. Um, my father inputted me, when my mother inputted me, the way I was raised. I've always think like that. I've always, you know, obviously, as you get an education, you get educated, you learn more. Like I said, that book changed my life, but it helped me organize my life. Those things that the book says, I was already doing it. I was just not doing it in the order that they're supposed to be done. But having an education definitely helps. I do a lot of, I donate to a lot of different things. I just keep it private, you know, and I, and I tell people, you know, you don't, you don't need to make public that I donated this or I donated that or I did this or I did that. I, I just try to help because if I can help you in any way to be a better person, to be in a better position, it's gonna help me along the way, right? Helping you helps me. And that's just the way I think. And yeah, I, I, I do a lot of charity stuff. I, I wanna do, I've been, for years now, I've been trying to do a scholarship to help kids in Harlem, kids that really need it, you know, kids there that need that extra push to, uh, to move forward, to make it. I wanna be able to do that. And I wanna be able to help people uh, along the way. That's just, that's just who I am. If you could give three bits of advice for someone looking to start any business or be an entrepreneur, is there any advice you would give? Wow. Well, let me rephrase that. Give me three bits of advice you wish someone would have told you before you went into business for yourself. You made it even worse. Uh, I think that the, the, the <laughs> advice is, you know, if I was going to give an advice to somebody is the first thing is do something that you love. That got to be the first thing. You have to do something that you love, that you like, that you go enjoy so that you can strive on what you're doing. Treat people with respect, do the right thing and give, 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 give. If there's anything that I can tell anybody and in a single moment, it's Give and it takes a long time to understand what that means, but when you open the door for somebody to enter or exit, you're giving kind to that person and you're giving respect to that person. There's an old lady crossing the street and you're hoping to cross the street. You know, you help like you give, just give, but give without thinking about it. And if that, if you follow that advice, you will make it in anything that you do anything that you do, by giving, you will receive. Wow. No, I love that. And you, like you said earlier, it's not even just so much as, you know, giving money, because you told me a story earlier where I thought the moral was going to be you just gave somebody money, but you actually told me a story when you were 15. Yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, if you would like to tell that story again, I'd like to hear it, because I think it was sure, yeah. very so powerful. I, I was about 14, 15 years old. I was working at my at my uncle's auto part shop or, or store. And- uh, That was in Dominican Republic? In Dominican Republic. Okay. And, you know, at a fi as a 15 year old, I was getting paid 5,000 pesos. To put it in perspective, 5,000 pesos at a time, a public employee, a doctor, a teacher, a policeman, will get paid 621 pesos. And I was making 5,000, right? And I was living with my uncle, so all that money was just for my pocket, for me to do whatever. This kid used to come and ask for money, and he was about my, my age. And I asked him, why, why do you ask for money? Why don't you work? And I really asked him in a, in a sincere way, in a nice way. And the kid told me, you know, I, I asked for money to help my mother, but I tried to put a shoe shine in, at the park, but the guys don't let me, you know how that is. And it's true, it's very territorial. You know, those guys protect that. Some of those people, that's how they raise their family. So I literally told the kid, come back next week. And when he came back, I went to the store with him. We bought everything that is needed to put a shoe shine box together. And I went to the park. I've always been nice to everybody. I don't care there's a homeless. I don't care there is any, I talk to everybody. I say hi to everybody because that makes a difference sometimes, believe it or not. And so I went over and I talked to the guys. Hey guys, 
can we make space for this young fellow here to uh, work? Felix, you got it. I mean, literally, I, at a 15-year-old, people look at me, adult people look at me. He's a grown man. Me. I right. was a grown man. Oh, okay. And so they give him the opportunity. I, I later on told the kids for the school, come back, we're going to go and buy. We went to La Sirena, which is like the Walmart Dominican Republic. And we went and we bought everything the kid needed to uh, go to school. And we went to school. Fast forward college. I help him pay for everything. The kid's a doctor today. Fortunately, I lost contact to him, I don't know, about 2005, 2006. It's been a long time and uh, having me able to get in touch with him. But it gave me great, I was very happy to know that he made it. That he, you know, he, he took that opportunity and he did something with it. Wow. And there's probably a lot of stories like that, right? That people that may be asking for money, but really are not asking for money, but for an opportunity. Exactly. How did you pick that up at such a young age that this, this kid would work and want an opportunity? Well, and not just give him the money. It could have been easy. Just give it, him money. And then, exactly. Yeah. Well, one thing that, like I said, my, my grandmother uh, was a huge figure in my life. She taught me a lot of things and uh, she'll say things like, if you can help somebody how to fish, Teach them how to fish. Don't just give them a fish. And I think that's in books. It's in Bible. It, 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 it's something that is recognized and been talked about it for a long time or forever. But it's easier for a lot of, a lot of times to just take $5 or $10 and give it to somebody and, you know, go on your way. But if you can take a moment back and find a way how to help that person continue multiplying the same $5 or $10, it'll help that person grow. And you can see that in a person. You know when a person is sincere or, or has some values in them and when a person doesn't. I mean, uh, I'll give you an example. Sometimes I see people in the street asking for money and those guys, they have a sign that say, give me a dollar for beer. I'm very happy to give him a dollar for beer because that guy is being sincere, you know? There's people, you know, I'll I, I give you another story that... It goes to the other stream. There used to be this lady that come in with a big cut in her leg. I mean, it, it looks nasty, and she will limp everywhere. And she would ask for money. And when she came by the store, we all made a pool of money and give it to her every week. As I'm growing up at a nightclub one night, I see this lady. I'm like, she looks so familiar. She looks, you know, you can disguise yourself in many different ways. Your eyes don't change. And I love to look at people's eyes. And I will recognize you regardless <laughs> where you go. You can put anything you want on. I'm going to, if I can make eye contact, I'm going to recognize you. I'm like, I know this lady. And she's at a nightclub dancing and having a great time. I come to realize, but that's the lady that we give money all the time, that she has a bad leg. And that was like a stab. I'm like, you know, that's wrong. And for that reason, now I kind of pick and choose who I give money to or who I help to because some people are, they are just out there taking advantage of you and some people really do need help. You know, and so, but it's hard. And you, if you look at someone's eyes, you can say, you can tell if that person is being <laughs> sincere. Right, and you said something earlier that I like, I like this quote. You said, I trust I trust everybody, but I don't trust anybody. That's right. I, and, and it comes from that. From I, that. Listen, I trust, I, I trust people that I'm, if I'm going to help you, you're going to do the right thing. But at the same time, I don't trust anybody. Because, you, you know, you, you learn from these lessons in life, you know. And does that make you want to be more hands-on? Is that why you want to start? You said you mentioned you wanted to start a, uh, your own personal charity. Yeah, yeah, because that way I know where the money goes. I've done things in the past where we put together, you know, a lot of money. And I'm not sure that money made it to where it was supposed to go, you know. And so me doing, having my own non-profit, non-for-profit organization, I know that that money is going to go to the destination I intended to go to. You know, I'm uh, I'm talking to the people, uh, Boys and Girls, uh, Harlem Boys and Girls Club mm -hmm. at 145th. And I, part, I partake this year on their golf outing for the first time. And I was able to meet some of the head of the company. And we talk about it. And I said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to help because I see what you're doing for the kids of our community. And so 
uh, to me, anything that I can do to help anybody, but especially the people in my community, I'm going to go above and beyond and do it. So I, I love that you want to take more of a hands-on approach. Uh, I have a final question for you. Wait, no, not final question. I got two more. Now, you own the wine bar, right? Across? So I don't own that anymore. I You used to own the wine I bar. I used to own the wine bar, and I literally just give the keys to the bartender, and I say, take it over. When COVID hit, I opened up the business in May of, of 2019, and Anybody that in the is in the in the bar restaurant business know that it takes at least three years for you to start uh, breaking even that type of business. And so, I simply opened up that place because I wanted to grow the business of the cigar room and bring more of a mixed crowd. We all want, and I wanted to see this place not only with blacks and Latino, but I wanted everybody to feel welcome. And so, a wine. It's, it's it's a product that's consumed by everybody, a very mixed of people. And uh, that was why I opened up that bar. And, you know, I saw my vision where this place, people will go, people will come in with their wives, the wife will be next door having a wine, the men will be here having a cigar. And I, I saw that happening fast. And that was my vision. But, you know, COVID hit, just like many businesses didn't make it. That one, um, it was it, it was in a position where it just became a money pit where I was just throwing money, throwing money, throwing money. And my partner over there was a person who helped me open this place. He's the person who lent me a lot of the money to open this place, to, to buy the cigar room. And so he invested with me over there. And I came to a point that I told to myself, if that place is ever going to make it, one of us have to come out because it's just not enough for both of us. And so I told him, I said, I'm going to lose what I put into this business so that you don't lose yours. And the bartender I had in there, his dream was to always have his own business. And when he was going to turn 40, I think his birthday is August 10th. And we had this conversation a week before that I, what I was thinking about getting, getting out of the business. He goes, I would love to have the opportunity to own a business one day. And sure enough, for his birthday, I uh, scheduled him for a meeting. And I said, his name is also Felix. I said, Felix, the wine room or X amount of money to the cigar room. All I want for you is to pay that money and to, to some giving half now and half in two years, but you don't have to pay me anything. Here's the key to the business, it's yours. All you gotta do is invest whatever you can, continue doing what you do, and grow the business, and I hope you're successful. And thank God he's doing well. Well, how long has he had the... the, 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 the so the, this happened in 2021. That was recent. Yeah, it was recent, I, oh, you wow. know. Uh, when we came, basically started opening up again from the pandemic, you know, we had this conversation and I passed on the baton. Wow, that's an awesome story. Yeah, man. It's it, Again, it's one of those, to me, if I stayed in it, it was just, it was just going to die eventually. And I have too much respect and consideration for my other partner. Like I said, he helped me to put this business together and he helped me there. So to me, it was only right to find a way how to protect his investment. And me getting out, I lost what I lost, it's just money. It could be made again. And along the way, I hope this kid now have his own business. And he can say now, I own my own business. Wow. And that's powerful. That comes full circle with what you said about giving and reputation. Yeah. That's what you were saying when you said earlier, when you said that when you give, yeah. that's another way to build credit yeah. that doesn't have to do anything with money, but has exactly. to do with integrity exactly. and doing the right thing. Exactly. Yeah, wow, yeah. that's a powerful there, message. There is, I believe that if right now I go to that person and ask him for anything, he be very inclined to support me with whatever that is because what I did for him. But when I did it, I didn't do it thinking about that. I did it because from the bottom of my heart, I just, I knew that I wasn't gonna move forward with it. I, I knew that it was eventually gonna die. So if him being a mixologist, had a better opportunity to move the business forward, 
why not give him the chance? That's powerful because, you know, when I sit and hear you say that, there's a lot of people that other people's success, even if they can move it along, the fact that you, you were getting out of it, you could have been selfish. Thank you, yeah. I, I could have, but what was that going to give me? Oh, it wouldn't give you anything, right? Exactly, but now I help somebody else. And hopefully from there, he can open up another business and another business and be very successful. One thing I ask him is, when the time comes, I just hope you to do the right thing. Do the same thing again. Yeah. You know, just, just move forward. If, if we all as human beings do that and put a little bit in it, we will have a different world. No, I, I agree. And, and I really thank you for this interview. This has been so powerful. You shared so much real <laughs> powerful welcome. gems to take away. Uh, and my final question to you would be, I was thinking about it this whole time because you're very much a part of your business. I see this place, like you said it's open six days a week now. Seven. Seven days a week. When you take a vacation, who runs this place? I take vacations all the time. And so again, it goes back to when I told my wife, you're going to lose me for two years. In the first two years, I was the blood and center of this business. I was here all the time. I was here seven days a week. I needed to understand the ins and outs of the business. I needed to understand everything inside this business. So when I come through the door, I can tell if someone move a chair, if someone move a cigar, I can tell anything because I know everything about this business. So, but also go back to what I was saying before, respecting your employee and treating people right. I have a great team of employees. I have people that will do anything for me here. And when I have to go anywhere, I go without hesitation, knowing that the business is in the right hands because they do, they treat this place as their place. They treat this business, they don't look at it as a job. They look at it as this is a family business and I'm part of the family. That's powerful. And I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs can learn from this. I was expecting you to say that you shut the business down when you go away. No, but. no. <laughs> Listen, it's, so here's, you know, another big part of my business are my customers. My members, my regulars here are very much responsible for the success of the business. If you come here from out of town and this is your first time in this place, they make you feel comfortable. Hey, what is your name? Where are you visiting us from? But I put that in them when I had that meeting. We're one. This is your home. You're here every day. You hang out in this spot. So if you want to make sure this place is around for a long time, we all have to do our due diligence, make sure this place is welcoming to everybody. And this place is opening welcome to everybody. And I came one day where I was out of town. When I came in, there was about... Four inches of water in here. I mean, the cigars were wet, everything. There was about five or six customers of my regular working, just picking up water, working like they were an employee. And they were working probably harder than, than an employee that was there. <laughs> you know, and so it's just the way I treat people. I, Like I said, I treat people with respect. I try to give them the best of me. And in return, they give me the best of them. Man, it really shows. And Felix, thank you so much for, once again, for just taking this time out and speaking with me. And it really means a lot. Um, I want to offer something to uh, the listeners that are going to be coming to this bar. Because a few people have already told me, this is a beautiful place. Can thank we you. offer them a, a code that they can use? Absolutely. So if you come to this business and you say that, I'm going to give you this. You decide how you want to handle it. For your audience, people that listen to you, if they come and they use the nine five uh, killers phrase, okay. I'm a listener or I'm a follower of nine five killers. They will get a ten percent discount of everything they're purchasing here. For how long? Uh, <laughs> we can do the. How long you want to do it? How long you want to do it? This your business. Ah, I like you that tell answer. Me. Because you know what these, these 24 hour works now. Nah. You know what this, epi this episode, you know what I like about podcasts, you don't know when someone's gonna, gonna listen to it. So I want to give them what do you think? You know what? Why don't we do this? Maybe first time, maybe first time visit. First time, yeah, obviously it has to be first time. First visit. time visit. It's not every time you come, not every say, time hey, you can, five nine killers. Yeah, yeah no, no, nah, nah. first time listen, first time that they come, 
they'll get a 10% discount and we can extend that all the way to the Super Bowl. I like that. Thank you. Is I that appreciate good? it. That's perfect. All right, great. I would love to have a listening party where I don't know how long you want to play the episode, but I bring a bunch of friends down. You bring some friends down and we will smoke cigars and listen to some of this episode. That's great. I mean, that sounds like music to my ear. Wow, that means a lot, Felix. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And, and thank you for coming on the show again. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the 95 Killers podcast. You can now visit us at 95killers.com. We truly appreciate your continued support. Without you, this couldn't be possible. Take care of yourselves and keep killing those comfort zones. Until next time, peace. Peace.